Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! everyone and welcome to the 94th episode of Two Slips in a Gully. I'm joined tonight by Glenn. How are you, Glenn? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I am pretty good. Mm. It's my second week back at work after quite a long layoff and mm. it's uh, it's not what I remembered. It's it's harder than I remember it being. Yeah, the, right. the, the diet of Netflix, PlayStation, sport and chasing after an infant mm. don't really yeah. coincide with 10 straight hours of wandering around a timber yard so it's, uh, it's been an adjustment well yeah, i know I'm, I'm like maybe you can can kind of like make it blend a little bit you know bring the tv bring maverick <laughs> yeah. um. set, set up a little crate that's <laughs> no, too dirty where i work for that yeah and i know that i'm whinging i know it's like oh he's been out for four months he shouldn't be whinging oh, mm. i know i'm totally owning that yeah i've just i've gotten soft that's in my time off <laughs> yep Sometimes you've just got to accept that that's that's the way you are. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to work my way back into it. I've gotten soft. I know this. It's, oh, it's uncomfortable, well, but I'll get there. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, things are getting back slowly for me as well. Like, you know, I'll work three hours in a day and I'll be like, oh, man, I'm exhausted. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't get back into the schools yet. Um, they've allowed um, teaching as long as it's not singing or wind instruments which is kind of straight up your your alley yeah, wind right. instruments. yeah i mean like yeah so anyway anyway you guys don't want to hear us whinge about our work exactly. you want to hear us talk about cricket yep. and uh if you've been following our podcast especially recently all through our 90s our nervous 90s mm-hmm. we have been following the exploits of australia's two most prolific 90 getters mm-hmm. so you know most people will be aware that Michael Slater was famously dismissed nine times in the 90s which is impressive considering he only played 70 odd test matches yeah um, that's the second most all time behind Sachin Tendulkar with 10 who had played 200 matches yeah but uh, not many people know that Steve Waugh actually holds the record for the most innings finishing in the 90s for an Australian which is 10 eight dismissed and two not outs so we have been following the exploits of these two players and how they've gone in the 90s and so for nine 94, 
Michael Slater managed to avoid this score out of the nine times that he was dismissed in the 90s. Same yeah. with 93. Like last yeah. week, we didn't have either of them in the 90s. So Slats managed to dodge a 94 again. Mm. Uh, but Steve War, unfortunately, uh, got a 94. And this is one of the ones with an asterisk next to it. He was left stranded on 94, not out. Yeah. One of the last things he did in the year 1994, it was right. a Boxing Day Almost a Boxing Day 100 against the Poms as well. So mm. narrowly missed out on what would have been a fantastic Boxing Day 100. <laughs> Unfortunately, Flemo well, didn't didn't do his job, didn't hang well, around yeah. to I see mean, this, through the 90s. This one's not his fault. Uh, let's face it. You know, it'll still it'll chalk up as a, as a 90. But, you know, 94, you, you know, as a batsman, you look at that 94 not out. It's good for the average. It is good for the average, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so there we go. So that was one of Steve Waugh's uh, exploits in the 90s. 94 in 94. Um, so, yeah, unlucky Steve, one of the ones that uh, was left begging when uh, you just ran out of teammates. So yeah, just try harder next time. You've got to get those runs, <laughs> got to get those runs quicker. Can't leave it up to the guys in the tail. Don't trust Fleming. <laughs> Actually, he really did trust his tail end a lot. He's, he was known for it, Steve Waugh. He would take the single off the first ball. He'd empower the tail to do well. And he batted a lot with McGrath, so yeah, that, did, it yeah. didn't blunt his confidence in the tail. And I imagine mm. that must have gotten, must have been some dark days with McGrath. Like, mm. you know, I've got faith in you. Oh, Glenn. <laughs> He was his batting coach at one point. He was, like, teaching him to bat. Yeah, and you can't sort of coach him and then not let him put it to practice. You know, can't be his batting buddy and then hide him. Mm. (laughs) Wanted to show off how good he was at, (laughs) you know, improving McGrath. Yeah. Oh, well. Didn't pay dividends until after he retired, though. McGrath sort of got that uptick in his batting average post Steve War. Yeah, well, that 61 not out was the same effect. I I think it tripled his average. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for today's episode, we've got uh, everything World Cup to talk about. We are about to hit the semifinals, and uh, we think that uh, Australia's managed to get there. They had to play some really good cricket at the back end of the pool stages to get to the semifinals, and they did. And we think this is now the pass mark. This is where Australia yeah. probably would have been aiming to get to, and anything past the year is gravy. So mm. I think uh, I think that came out in our predictions. Yeah, um, we weren't very confident. So yeah, we, we, we were to... hoping for a World Cup win, but we were honest. Yeah. Appraisal was we'd like to make it through the the, the Super Twelves mm. and get eliminated by someone in the semi final. So we've got to there. Yeah, and and now oh, I've been furiously watching Michael Hussey. Uh, replays of when he hit that uh, the winning runs against Pakistan in 2010, mm. hoping to send good vibes uh, Australia's way for their upcoming semi-final against Pakistan. And yeah. then, of course, uh, England are taking on New Zealand in a 2019 World Cup replay. So, yeah. bit of a grudge match there. And uh, we are going to reveal our super coach teams, our Big Bash super coach. We're going to reveal what our teams are he- heading into this season. Obviously, big reveal. lots of uh, things up in the air around that. There's uh, you know trial games and who's going to get picked for the Australian squad and how big is the squad going to be? Are those players going to be allowed to leave the side? They're not immediately involved in the 11. So there's all sorts of considerations. So what we mm. what we may reveal tonight might not be exactly what it's going to be for round one, but it's a, it's a pretty good approximation. And we're going to finish off the episode with um, just a bit of a tribute to two two West Indian Titans that have, have given the game away at the, now that they have been eliminated from the T20 World Cup, yeah. and that is Chris Gale and uh, Dwayne Bravo. So they have mm. been mainstays of the West Indian side yes. for a long, long time. Uh, don't quite yeah. get the respect they probably deserve uh, in the test format because they have... Yeah. Obviously, left that behind and become T Twenty players and and limited overs players, but yeah. uh, they were they were excellent players for the West Indies across all three formats for you, large you, parts of their career. You know what gets scary um, when the players that you remember as like real young guns, real exciting prospects, um, retire. They start to retire. <laughs> um, yeah. Ooh. Having that, a bit of a moment. That that was that existential first, crisis. That that first existential crisis for me was Michael Clark. Michael Clark is when, now retired. When he yeah. retired, I was like, "Oh damn, we're getting old." <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. all that fun stuff is coming up right after this. 
Leg stump, that'll hold it! What a wonderful shot to bring it up on as well. What a moment for Michael Clark. Not just as a player, but as a captain here on his home ground. World Cup semi-finals are upon us, as we talked about in the intro, and it was quite a mission to get there. We needed a few things to mathematically go our way, but uh, most importantly, uh, we needed to win some games. Uh, mm. South Africa, after wobbling in that first game against us, which actually ended up being a very important game for Australia, yeah. um, they uh, compiled a pretty big win, got ahead on run rates, and were looking like clipping us for the semi-finals. And... Um, yeah, so we had to come out. We had Bangladesh and the West Indies to play. Uh, we were two points behind South Africa, and we came out and absolutely routed Bangladesh, dismissed them for 73, and then uh, chased it two wickets down in, oh, what, eight overs or so? Yeah. Six and a half overs. Um, big innings from uh, Aaron Finch, who, right. you know, we've given quite a lot of shade to Aaron Finch over the last few weeks. and. Yeah. Uh, He's really stood up in the last couple of games and, and shown there's is a little bit of life left. Mm-hmm. I still think that this should be his farewell. I, I, I can't see him consistently turning into th- this sort of cricketer again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of young cricketers coming through. But it is good to see that he hasn't been a passenger through this through this campaign while yeah. we thought he was going to. Well, I did enjoy the meme where it was like uh, Captain says nothing stupid and then it's just a picture of Aaron Finch just, like, playing that scoop shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that helped us out happily with our run rate. We ended up getting equal on points but ahead of South Africa uh, on run rate. Mm-hmm. And then heading into the final game, well, the final night for our group stages, it was us versus the West Indies and South Africa versus England. So obviously South Africa would have been hoping for the West Indies to win, which unfortunately didn't happen. We got them all out for 157 and chased them two wickets down for 161 in the 17th over. So that was also pretty healthy for our net run rate. Yeah. Uh, big things out of that. Um, David Warner, back to form, 89 or 56. Um, and Mitch Marsh again showing that uh, he's got the West Indies number in his format, 53 or 32. So he's again yeah. looking good. Yeah, um, he's, he's been form. in form for a good long time, hasn't he? I mean, he hasn't scored every time, but, um, you know, that's batting. Uh, and then from there, so South Africa had to not only to get through to the semifinals, had to beat England by roughly 60-odd runs. Mm. which unfortunately didn't happen. They ended up winning the game, which was fantastic for them. You know, I suppose it's not a, a nice little string, a feather in their cap heading out of the World Cup that the team that had routed everybody, South Africa, ended up beating. But they only ended up mm. winning by about 10 runs as opposed to the 60 they needed to get through. So mm. that that was it. That uh, gets us through. Still a good effort against that England side. I was, and, yeah. and a good World Cup from South Africa. They were, you know... Very, very close to going through the, the pool stages undefeated. It was a pretty harsh pool, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough ask. And to be fair, their batsmen didn't really fire at any point consistently throughout the tournament. Mm. So it was a really good team effort from South Africa. And then to just to be undone by, yeah, so by they, net run rate is... And they also had the whole uh, de Kock drama. Yes. Um, you don't want a drama with de Kock. No. Um, <laughs> no. No dramas with I, de Kock. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, yeah, uh, we've we've deliberately not not talked about that one. There's too just too many hands on it. Yeah. <laughs> and then moving to the other side, uh, New Zealand uh, ended up getting through uh, with Pakistan, and and in fairness, that's been sewn up for probably quite a while. Uh, India came out and lost straight up to Pakistan and New Zealand, yeah. and that pretty much. Tied that pull up. You were then India were then hopeful. Well, obviously, they needed to win against Afghanistan, mm. Namibia, and Scotland, which you would think would be a walk in the park for teams of India, New Zealand, and Pakistan's caliber. So, yeah. India really needed some catastrophic upset to make it through after dropping those two games. So that pool's really been mm. sewn up for for quite a while, and that's how it ended up playing out. The all three of the, the top nations dealt with the three bottom nations, and then unfortunately because India dropped that game mm. to, to New Zealand and to Pakistan, which was Pakistan's first World Cup victory over India ever, Yeah, uh, they, they ended up bowing out, which actually ends Virat Kohli's tenure, tenure as their captain. He's mm. stepping aside and Robert Sharma is 
is coming along. So that's going to be that's good. That's big for the Indian side. There was a lot of a lot of talk coming through that um, they had sort of hit that level that we were at in the early thousands, late nineties, early thousands. Our one day side where you know we think. I know we've talked about it a few times that we think that we were the best and second best one day international sides in the world. If you took our second mm. eleven, we'd still beat yeah. the rest of the world. And that was something that um there, there was noise coming out of the Indian camp that that's how they thought their depth was as well, that their depth was good enough that they would be able to field two or three <laughs> time, two or three sides in this World look Cup at, and look win. Look at it. you trying not to gloat. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to break that Indian market, are we? <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's surprising. I mean, the IPL was just played there. Um, yeah. So you'd think that the players that, uh, you know, all of the players were available for the IPL mm. so they could go over there and acclimatise to those conditions. And so it's it's pretty big. This is a big, big loss for India in terms of where they are because there's, there's no doubting that India have fantastic depth at this format. Yeah. Uh, this is something that they would have been, well, you know, most people heading into this tournament would have said England will play India in the final. That's just what will happen. Yes. And it hasn't hasn't panned out that way. So it's going to be well, that's, You know, that's why we play the game. Yeah. It's Games, not, unfortunately, not, not played on paper. Yeah. Uh, so uh, big, big news out of that. So I, th- I think from there you're looking at, uh, obviously, like we said, we're playing Pakistan, New Zealand's playing England. Uh Smart money would say that Pakistan will beat us and England will will beat New Zealand. But uh, I don't know about you, but I've just got this funny feeling about New Zealand. I think they might uh, might get up and mm. and knock the palms out. Bit of revenge for not being able to be holding the twenty nineteen fifty over World Cup trophy. Yeah, up. well, England. I mean, they lost their last match going into it. Um, I don't know whether that'll help them or hinder them. Um, might make them more hungry. Jason Roy has also been ruled out for the tournament. Same with Time or Mills, mm. um, and he's been a big contributor to to that side. Uh, I just think it's just a a whiff, just a whiff of vulnerability there. I mean, there's been some vulnerability in that middle order. Joss Butler has covered a lot of cracks. So I mean, the game he scored a hundred. There was a lot of wickets fell without a lot of meaningful contributions. It was just just Butler teeing off at one end. Yeah, uh, they've all got wonderful T Twenty records. So mm. there's no doubting that there should be yeah. some bounce back. But I think it's just covering just yeah. a little whiff of vulnerability. I think uh, mm. oh, smart money would say England will do the job and they will beat New Zealand. But I just can't have that nagging feeling that mm. the, the Kiwis might might get one up. Well, they've played some harder cricket, haven't they? To, well, uh, no. no. No way. New Zealand, uh, that pool was... They played two difficult games and they won one of them. Mm. Uh, whereas England yeah. have had, you know, rel- you would say relatively strong competition for every game mm. and have handled it quite nicely. Yeah, well, but New Zealand do do well in, in World Cups. And they've just got a knack of... Yeah, especially when the game gets... Uh, look, they've got a knack of winning low-scoring games, mm. figuring out a way to win low-scoring games. Yeah, ever since they don't have Brendan McCullum anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I just, yeah, yeah I can't, I, I, I'm not going to bet on it, but if I was, I'd be putting money on New Zealand. I, I yeah. think that they're, they're due an upset. Taking the roughie. Uh, I think Pakistan will probably beat us. I mean, like I said, I'm hoping we get through on, you know, mm. crossing fingers, on sending good vibes. Uh, but Pakistan are one of those teams that have... Uh, there's two very different Pakistan. They're either world beaters or they're how are you guys professionals? Mm. And they're due for one of those how are you guys professionals sort of games. And we did beat them when they came out, and we beat them quite comfortably when they came out, uh, not last summer but the summer before in the uh, in the T20s. Yeah. So Australia's probably feeling like they're, they're half a chance mm. uh, of stealing this one. You know, On paper, like we said, Pakistan should go through, but the game's not – not played on paper. So I think Australia will be starting to feel good about themselves. Yeah, Finch and Warner will be... Yeah, there's good signs. Yeah. Uh, Hazelwood's been doing a phenomenal job. Zampa's been doing a, a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um, big key is going to be Stark. I think Stark has been okay without being amazing or mm. awful. He's been that way for a while, unfortunately. And they've sort of got him into that, into that role where he's pitching the ball up for the first over and seeing what happens. And then if he yeah. doesn't jag a wicket, we don't then see into the back end of the game. What's yeah. worrying about Stark, though, is that that seems to be all he's got. If he doesn't get anything with a swinging ball, he's 
next plan is just to go around the wicket to the right-handers and fire in Yorkers. Yorkers. Yeah. And there's just there's nothing else to his game. If I don't get in swinging Yorkers, then um, yeah, um, he's not bowling leg cutters. He's not. Yeah, there's just he's not going back of the hand slow. And, and he used to have <laughs> other assets to his game that he could fall back on, other strings to his bow, like the 2015 mm. World Cup, the 2019 World Cup. Uh, I just don't see it. So um, he, he's looking in good rhythm. I will say that he's hitting the crease hard. Uh, people have pointed out throughout this tournament that he's gotten a different action. Different yeah. action. He's been getting better at that. So hopefully he's going to. A lot of experts are really loving that action, but it's yeah. I mean, it's like well, he's still got to get the ball. In the yeah, you can look as good as you like through the crease, but it's yeah. what happens with the ball at the other end, which is important. But you know, mm. if it's a continuous improvement from Star because he's feeling more comfortable, then again, he could be peaking at the right time, and we might be due for a a real vintage Stark innings where he blows away the top order for not many and really gets Australia into the game. Yeah, well, that's that's it. He's one of the guys who can just win, win the match off his own. And we're going to need it because Azam and Rizwan have been unbelievable mm. and they're the two openers. So we've got to get through them early, otherwise they will play us out of the game. So that's that's my predictions. I'm going to – I'm going to – well, I'm going to play the – Australian homer card, and I'm going to say that we're going to upset them. I'm going the upsets. Australia's going to beat Pakistan. New Zealand's uh, going to beat England. So an Anzac, uh, Anzac final, final. Yeah. 2015, uh, yeah. 50 over World Cup. Repeat. I don't know those New Zealanders. They'll be hungry. They'll be hungry if they make another World Cup final. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> definitely. I'm not. I don't know if the result will go that way, but I'm. That's that's what I'm going. I'm going the mm. the Anzac. The Anzacs will make the final. That's my my prediction. Mm. Uh, admittedly, it's gut feeling more than statistical analysis for that one. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping for that. That's what I'm tipping my hat to. And yeah, yeah, cool. It's it's yeah. out there now. It's out there. I can't take it back. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> why I haven't said anything. Because if it's not out there, you can change it. <laughs> I I always knew that England were going to get up. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, this is the smart way to do it. Eh? <laughs> Just don't 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 put yourself out there. You yeah. never be wrong. <laughs> it's a low risk, low reward strategy. Here's the Simpsons quote. The moral of the story, boys, boy, is never <laughs> try. <laughs> It's that time of year again, Glenn. Yes, I am. I'm in the seat, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so it is, of course, almost Big Bash time, which means Big Bash Supercoach is out. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, Supercoach is a type of fantasy sport. So essentially, what it is, you given a salary cap. Uh, players are attributed a, a dollar value. The better players are worth more. The worst players are worth less. And you have to make up your team based on the players playing in the in the big bash. And for for the games, what they do are attributed points. So taking a wicket's worth twenty points, uh, you know, runs, catches, all that sort of stuff, all compiled at the end, and the player is given a number. A, a value of what they've scored in that game. And then the idea is to put together a team and then at the end of the game your team has compiled more points than your opponent. Mm. So it's it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a lot of other tricks to it, you know. There's you know there's batting and bowling positions and having to swap between. And then in the, in the, the big bash with the way the the uh, schedule is laid out, teams will play in multiple games in a round, and teams might have buys. So you then get trades. So you can then hoping to get guns or score lots of points. You also want to get some cheaper players that might be getting into an expanded role or had a really bad season. Aaron Finch is one of those, typically a very expensive player, but he's starting very cheap. And then you're hoping he then gains value to then trade him out for more established stars. I mean, like, that was that was the idea last year because you just kept getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and it just never paid off. No, you were, there was a point where you're just like, man, Aaron Finch for $60,000, that is a yeah. steal. 60000 is almost the minimum amount of money that you can be worth. And yeah. so we both brought him into our side at that price, hoping uh-huh. oh, he just all he's got to do is just have one decent game, and it'll be, and it never happened. Yeah, never happened. Did not have one decent game. <laughs> um, so yes, so we're back to this time again, and we're going to reveal what our teams are going to be for round one. And like I said in the intro, there's quite a lot of intrigue in this. Australia's yet to announce uh, who's going to be in their extended squad, and I believe the trial games that they're playing. I think it's the. What is it? The probables versus possibles. 
game they've dubbed it uh, is going to take place during the beginning of the Big Bash. So anyone involved in that game, I believe, will miss round one. So there's all sorts of things you've got to we've got to take into consideration. But based largely off what we know at the moment, these are the teams that we're going with. Do you want to go with yours? First oh, I reckon you go because uh, I just realised that I didn't save it and I'm hurriedly just compiling <laughs> like, what, I, what I did. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you go first. This is uh, classic Glenn. Killer. Not doing my homework and then just throwing to Aaron. Cool. All yeah. right, well, uh, for the beginning <laughs> of uh, the round, the Brisbane Heat and the Sydney Sixers are having a double game round. So the idea would then you want to maximise the amount of points so you would have majority of your players coming from those sides. The thing to consider as well is that the Heat have a buy in round two, so you don't want to go too many Heat players because you'll then have to just trade them out the following week because they won't be playing. So in that respect, I'll start with my team, which are the wicket keepers, and I've gone for Josh Philippi. Uh, No-brainer. He's been one of the leading run scorers in the Big Bash for the last couple of years. Double game round to start, opening the batting. Um, I've got him in as my wicketkeeper and probably going to be my captain for round one. Right. Uh, On the bench, my wicketkeeper position, I've gone with Matt Jilks uh, from the Thunder. He's starting really cheap, only $62,000. And I think that he is a dark horse to... uh, Open the batting for the Thunder because I believe Usman Khawaja is probably bound for national duties or at least to be part of the uh, Australia A Australia game, which will rule him out for round one. So it could be uh, some price increases there as he's got a, a more prominent role. Yeah. Um, well, now I've done it. I've done it. That was like, you know, two minutes or something. That's, that's Put them all that, back in. That's all it takes. Two minutes to pick your do, side. Do you, want, do you want to know what my keepers are as well? All right, what, who are your keepers? They're exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. Philippine jokes. Yeah. I think it's hard to go any other way. I think maybe Jimmy Pearson is an option as a mm. bench player, but if you you can't play them both. So if you've got uh, Philippine... He just doesn't no... bat in the top order. Um, Jimmy's a good player, though. Mm. I really like watching him play. But, yeah. but, but to be fair, the heat top order is anywhere from one through seven because you're going to be in in the power play more mm. often than not anyway, the way they're yeah. top order bats sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll move on to my batsman. I have gone with Glenn Maxwell because, as if you wouldn't, the guy has yeah. scored a mountain of runs for the IPL. He's been one of the star performers for the Big Bash for ages. He's starting relatively, well, not relatively cheap, but he's cheaper than some at 195000 There's a few players ahead of him. Mm. Uh, he's a, a bat bowl dual position, so it gives me some flexibility trading him throughout my teams, so I've gone with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one I've gone with is Dan Christian. Uh, yeah. I think he's probably a touch overpriced considering the year that he had last year with the Sixers. I don't think he's quite going to meet those same standards, but he does have a double game first up, so you know, all he's got to do is jag a couple of wickets and maybe have a decent knot where he so gets... So you'd, you'd be looking to maybe trade him out when he's not on yeah, a double game? I don't think that I'd run with him for the whole year. I could be wrong, so he could have an, a, an amazing year, but I think he had a really great year last year, which has affected his price for this year, and I don't know if he's going to quite hit the same heights, but uh, yeah, well, I think for a double game first up, a guy that's going to probably bowl four overs, and if he bats five, six, and freedom to just throw the bat. We saw what he could do yeah, last year. I, I, I think they kind of, late in the season, they worked out that whole tactic of go around the wicket and collapse the front leg Yeah, as he was doing. And it was like, they were like, early in the season, they were like, what the hell is that? But How he's do gonna, I hit that? He's going to bowl to death, and if he's got players teeing off at him and holding out to players on the boundary, there's uh, yeah. some points for cheap wicket, you know, cheap points for wickets there. Yeah. So oh, I think uh, he's, a, he's a pretty easy pick for me. Um, Chris Lynn, again, I think is someone who's pretty obvious. $172,000, a double game. He's going to bat near the top of the order for the Heat. He's relinquished the captaincy, so hopefully that frees him up a little bit to just concentrate on being the devastating boundary hitter he has shown to be in Big Bash history. So I think that's, you know, if you're not starting with Chris Lynn, you've got a pretty strong side or you're not doing it properly for a double game round. And uh-huh. he's at a nice price that if he has a has a, a good couple of games, he'll go up in price and it's a pretty easy trade to anyone for the following week when he has the buy. Uh, the other batsman I've got is James Vince, the Englishman. Uh, nicely priced, around $153,000. He's going to open the batting with Philippi in all likelihood, double game round. Ended up actually scoring more runs than Philippi 
by the end of the tournament. And, you know, he came good right near the end and had some pretty devastating knocks to help get the sixes over the line. So mm. slots in there. Again, same with Lynn. He's at that nice sort of price bracket, which means he's not too difficult to then trade once he uh, has a buy. Um, and if he has a good start to the year, he could end up making some money. Uh, to st- finish off my starters in the, the batting position, I have Mitch Marsh. Uh, all-rounder, and he looks like he's going to be bowling this year. And the way that he's been batting in the, the Australian T20 side, like I assume that the Scorchers will be batting him at three mm-hmm. instead of that four or five sort of position they had him last year. And, yeah, he's going to make – if he bats like that for the Scorchers – plus bowling, and he'll probably bowl quite a great deal for the Scorchers as well. He'll make so much money. At, uh, it's He's severely underpriced because he didn't have a great tournament last year. He didn't bowl. So now that he's back and he's fully fit, uh, I imagine he's going to be one of the buyers of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and to finish off my bench, I have Matt Renshaw, uh, nice, cheap, uh, You know, has handy off spin to help plump up his stats. Uh, may end up batting near the top because I imagine that um, guys like Travis Head and Alex Carey may end up following Australia around. I personally have Carey in my in my test side, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that in another episode. Uh, so I think he'll get a prominent role at top of the order for the for the strikers, and will probably bowl a little bit as well. You, you know they like to sneak him in and through the power play yeah. to try and waste an over. Uh, and my other bench position is Aaron Finch. Um, starting like starting to find some form, coming off of just a disaster last tournament. And at $62,000, he's just got to be average to make money. Like, yeah. so long as he doesn't even need to be good, as long as he's average, he'll make me some money and then I can flip him for, for another player. Over mm. to you, your batsman. Um, well, I've gone uh, Tom Curran. I know he's uh, expensive, but uh, I've had good experiences picking him. Um, he's uh, and and captaining him and uh, yeah, him basically pulling it out of the uh, out of the toilet for me a couple of times. Well, he's a guy that'll you know handy with the bat and will probably bowl a lot of the death overs as well. So. Yeah, so um, yeah, I just like it. I don't mind the outlay for him. Um, I've got Dan Christian. I've got Glenn Maxwell. I don't have Chris Lynn. Um, because every time I pick him, he doesn't make runs. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's just one of those personal grudges that you hold against. And then I've just gone pretty cheap with the rest of my batsmen. I, I like Dan Hughes. I know he won't open the batting, but um, I've had good experiences picking him as well, and you feel like a genius when you get someone for $80,000 and they score a lot of runs. Um he had that really good game last year where... Uh, 96 or something he scored yeah. where he won the game for, yeah. well, almost won the game and then Holder finished it off. And I had him and not many other people had him. <laughs> um, and I've got Aaron Finch and as well. And I've also got Jake Weatherall and John O'Wells. Just thinking ahead. Well, Weatherall's a good one because the strikers actually have a double game yeah. Round two, so yeah, save your trade. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I pick pick players who don't score well because I like how they play. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably not the way to go for this. You know, well, well Weatherall's shown that he's got quite a bit of ability playing in the short form. So, um, yeah. Mm. Get, yeah. He gets, gets a good score for round one, then you're set for round two with a double game. That's that's, that's good thinking. Forward yeah. thinking. Forward Planning thinking. ahead. Exactly. I, I thought about that a lot. Well, I've uh, I've used the same methodology for one of my bowlers. I'm starting with Rashid Khan because I just think he's going to end up being... Everyone just books him in. He's just going to be one of the, the better players of the tournament. He has a ridiculous economy rate for, for T20s. He's got a double game round two, which saves me a trade bringing him in, which means I can spend the trade strengthening up other parts of my side moving forward. Um, yeah, I just... Yeah, it's easy. He's... Teams are either going to not go after him because they're going to be afraid of losing wickets or they're going to try and go after him because the run rate's getting out of control and he picks up wickets. The guy's, the guy's like 23, 24, and he's got 400 T20 wickets wow. to his name already. Yeah. Which is crazy. Just crazy. I mean, I think yeah. uh, I think Dwayne Bravo is leading on like 500 and something. 
Mm. So already he's managed to take enough T20 wickets that he's all, already in that conversation. Dwayne Bravo's finished his career, mm. as we'll talk about shortly, and Rashid's just started, no, and they're I in thought, there. I thought Bravo was was young. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, um, he was, and now he's not. The other one I've got is Marcus Stoinis, and for similar reasons to Mitch Marsh, because Stoinis, from all accounts, is now healthy. He'll be batting at the top of the order for the Stars. They've got a double game coming up relatively early in the competition. I can't remember which round it is, but it's not too far in. He's nicely priced at $163,000, and if he's going to go and like, I'd spend that money on Stoinis, the batsman, but if I'm going to get Stoinis, the batsman, and a guy that's going to bowl you know, potentially four overs for me, mm. jag a few wickets, that's easy money. Easy money. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that they're not going to use him the way that Australia's been using him, even though he's done a really good job being that sort of finisher. He's had a couple of very important knocks for us. Um, I imagine it'll be a normal transmission resuming. Stornis will take his spot at the top of the order and just come out blazing away in the uh, in the power play. So, yeah, um, yeah easy pick for me for Stornis. Uh, I've gone with Jack Wildermuth from the Heat, again, being a double round. Uh, he's had a really strong start to his Shield year. Uh, had a really strong start last year. He's probably going to be a guy that you know bat, uh, bowls four overs, takes a few wickets, and then he'll bat in the middle of the order. And that's something that the Heat have really struggled with is consistency at the top of the order. So I imagine that he'll be rife with opportunities to, to contribute. So mm. I think that's a pretty easy one. Uh, I've gone with Ashton Agar. Uh, I think the Ashton Agar for mine will be the value pick of the tournament. Um, after not really contributing much at all last year due to injury, he's coming out at less than 90,000. This is a guy that has won the T20 Player of the Year for Australia before. He's going to go into that uh, into that scorcher side. He'll bowl his four overs of spin. He'll probably bat five, six, seven, go out and have a slap with the bat. Um, I'd, I'd take Ashton Agar, the bowler. Like Similar to Stoinis, I'd take him with the bat. I'd take Agar, the bowler, for $90,000. And if he comes out and has a few you know, late-order games where he ends yeah. up getting some cheap runs at a really decent strike rate, all the better. So yeah. easy pick for mine. Yeah. Um, finishing off the starters with Lloyd Pope, double-game rounds. Uh, you know, he's looked expensive, but he attacks with the ball all the time so far in the – in his domestic games, yeah. I imagine he will be utilised uh, in a similar sort of vein for the uh, for the Sixers. Yeah. Um, you know, again, he's pretty cheaply priced at seventy four thousand dollars, and uh, he's got two games to get. Just if he gets any decent traction at all, he'll make me some money. Move on. Mm. On the bench, I've gone for some, a pair of Hurricanes. I've gone with Joel Paris, who has looked really good so far for WA. Um, both with the ball and the bat. Uh, and uh, James Faulkner has fallen out of that hurricane side. He's not been signed at all. Um, and uh, Scott Bolland is a player who looks like he might be a bit of an Ashes bolter. So potentially could be out of the side early on, uh, which means a, a more of a role for Joel Parrish, which means he might end up higher up the order as well. Uh, so I've got him on the bench, and I've gone with a, a nuffy uh, Joel Kahn. Who's a bat bowl dual position forty three thousand yeah. dollars? Just someone there to popular nuffy. Popular nuffy. I hope he gets a run. Always <laughs> <laughs> well, hate it when my nuffies get a run. Yeah, everyone does, but it's also kind of funny. <laughs> Over to you, Glenn. All right. Who are your uh, so I've I've gone. Uh, I've spent the money on Mujib Rahman uh, for the heat double game round, and he's one of those players who. Um, the person who I've been playing against has, and it's always really annoying because he always makes lots of points. And he's uh, priced a little bit more than Rashid Khan, which means that's an easy trade for round two when yeah. Uraman has the buy and he can mm. move straight to Khan for the Sixers once. That's yeah, the- good point. Good point. <laughs> Thanks, Ads. Um, yeah, I've gone with Dorcious. I just like the way he uh, attacks and takes wickets. Um, I've gone with Michael Nessa. I just like the guy. I think he's a good player and hopefully he doesn't get picked in the Ashes squad for the sake of my, um, yeah, I'll just keep an eye on that. Uh, I've got Xavier Bartlett 
because he's a wicket taker and yeah, he got that bag full of wickets. I don't know if they're doing the stupid substitute rule again this year, so hopefully not because Bartlett used to be used. Oh, bowling over if it swings a lot, yeah. we might lead you in the game. Uh, but if not, we'll just sub you out at the ten over mark for another oh, batsman. Yeah, I forgot that. that used so to yeah. hopefully, you know they've grown up and they're going to let Bartlett actually contribute because he looked like oh. a really good young bowler. Yeah, he's cheap. He's cheap under under hundred. Brand. And I've also got Ben Menenti, um, who is the player who kept Steve O'Keefe out of the team and thus really annoyed me last year. But, um, yeah, so I'm getting on him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, he did, did do a pretty good job. I think a lot of people forgot about him. Um, and on the bench, only because he's only got one game this round and all my other guys are, are double gamers, Um Ashton Agar, and I've got Joel Kahn as well, as I mentioned. Yeah. Good side. Lots of double game players. So, um, yeah, I'm just loading up early. I'm, lots of bites yeah. of the cherry there, that's so that's right. great. Yeah, just load up on them early. <laughs> so uh, we are going to set up a, a, lead, a two slips. Actually, I believe that's already set up. So um, we will share all of that information on our, uh, on our social media. So if anyone's interested in joining and playing Supercoach and joining our league and testing your uh, abilities against uh, against Two Slips and a Gully, mm. um, you're more than welcome. Yeah, get into our, our group, the regular listeners, yeah. able to, to play against us. You've heard us. Now, you know, make us look ridiculous. Yeah, just really uh, test to see how good we are at this, uh, this, fantasy, this fantasy cricket sort of thing. Mm. I will share all of the uh, information on our pages but for those of you that uh, wish to play, all you need to do is download the Supercoach app from your app store. Uh, you'll be prompted then to pick which sport. There are a number of them. You just need to pick BBL. Uh, from there, you create your side, and then you ask to join leagues. If you wish to join our league and join us in the Two Slips and a Gully League, uh, all you need to do is head to our social media pages and we'll have our code for the league there ready to go and you just enter that in and you're added to into the league. Uh, for those, if we manage to have quite a big uptake and we fill up, I will open a second league. So don't worry, there's plenty of opportunities to take us on and, and have a go. It's really fun. Glenn really dragged his feet yeah, I last did. year. I we did. took him forever to get him excited enough to, yeah. to actually go in it. Gary will be in it as well. Uh-huh. Um, but by about round three, I reckon you were you were switched on. You, oh, yeah, you, yeah. you really I, I sort of got getting, into it. Yeah, I was getting angry about it by, by round three, yeah. We, so. we went from you never talking about it to during the season we were having text messages watching games going, damn it, I needed that for my... Yeah, exactly. I needed him I mean, to score this, is, this many runs. and This is why you do it. It, it? <laughs> to, to be honest, uh, and it goes the same largely for rugby league here as well. The only reasons that I watch rugby league and the, the BBL is for my fantasy sides. I like I, I watch the my favourite team play, the Newcastle Knights in rugby league, because they're my favourite team. But outside of that, it's yeah. it's all purely fantasy sport so related. You don't really have a team? You you are the you're a Thunder guy. I, I'm a th- if you put a gun to my head, I'd be a Thunder guy. But that's yeah. purely because Michael Hussey used to play for him and yeah. But I wouldn't say that I've got a, a like a strong affiliation with, mm. with any sides. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't mind the yeah. Sixers. I think they're both my local my local sides. I'm not a big fan of the Scorchers. I, I don't think, like the Stars. I think I, you kind of have to grow up with your team, don't you? Mm. Um, so there's probably you know kids who'd be ten years old who feel a strong affinity to their. 2020 side. Yeah, I haven't. I think too is because I've always treated 2020 cricket as a bit of a gimmick league, and the Big Bash mm. certainly does itself it's no famous. It's the gimmickest sort of the gimmick league. As yes. Well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I would say you know if you put a gun to my head, pick your favourite Big Bash side. I'd I would say the Sydney Thunder, especially too because when they started they were terrible. Yeah. Like they were the, they just got they're, talent by they're everyone. The joke Sydney team. So was, yeah. you know you had to go for the underdogs, and it was always the good joke when they... Sydney team in a joke league, <laughs> gimmicky <laughs> competition. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but, you can't get much lower than that. But you you're a you're a Canes man. You're on the yeah. Cane train. Yeah, I yeah, I just don't like you know I don't really like the Sixers. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Sydney, but. Um, yeah, I really like Hobart. Been there a few times, and 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think their mascot's hilarious. Um, <laughs> Ponting a- played for him. Sangakara played for him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I just do it to... Um, Gorgeous George played for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I kind of do it so that people ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> You're an attention-seeking sports fan. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it a lot. I thought we'd round out this 94th episode by just uh, paying a little bit of tribute to uh, two retiring Titans. I mean, the West Indies have got such a large pantheon of greats that they've had to play in their colours. And while on the faces of it, you might not think that these players sort of stand up to the guys like uh, Richards and uh, Clive Lloyd and Malcolm Marshall and, you know, Kirtley Ambrose, and they're probably not quite in that same ilk, but Mm. it shouldn't be discounted the impact that these two players have had on modern West Indies cricket, especially after they've been through some of the real dark times that they've got. Uh, And then with the uh, invention of the shorter formats, especially T20, and then the success that the West Indies have enjoyed largely on the backs of these these two players, I think they quite deservedly, you know, they get in, they're they're maybe not on the stage, but they're sort of in the mosh pit of the the West Indian (laughs) cricket pantheon. And that is... uh, That's a pretty good way to put it. Chris Gale and Dwayne Bravo. You know, I wouldn't want to bump into Chris Gale in a mosh pit. He's a um, he's, he's a, a big, big guy, um, and yeah, I I just think, yeah, he'd be pretty crazy. <laughs> so uh, Gale made his debut for the West Indies in 1999, starting in the One Dayers. He started his tests in the year 2000, and then he was always a part of their T20 fixture. He uh, finished up in the test in 2014, finished up in the ODIs at the last World Cup and then has retired. Well, he hasn't announced it, but from the way that he carried on after he was dismissed in that final World Cup game, it certainly made it seem like uh, he he was on his way out. And if that is the case, his last action in a World Cup game, or his last action for the West Indies was to take a wicket, which is... Wow, yeah. (laughs) Ended up knocking over... uh, Mitch Marsh, I think the scores were the scores were level. Oh, well. uh, he so gave him he, that he one. goes into that list of players that uh, took a wicket with the last ball, playing yeah. for their for their country. Nice. Uh, and so most people now will have you know will be aware of Chris Gale, the the T Twenty mercenary, who plays the IPL, plays the Caribbean Premier League. He you know, hasn't been in the Big Bash out for a while, but he was he's graced our shores before, yeah. and then has played for the the West Indian T Twenty international side. But this is a man that's played a hundred Test matches, yeah, and over three hundred One Day International games. Mm. He's got over ten thousand One Day International runs and an average of thirty seven opening the batting. And, and you know, starting in nineteen ninety nine, he still very much played in an era where you know two fifty was a winning score. So yeah, sort of hurts those as well. He go went at a strike rate of uh, of eighty seven, which is more than respectable for for an opener in that format. And then for the test matches, he bowled a bit too. Bowled a bit, almost, almost an all rounder, you'd say. He'd yeah. tell you he was an all rounder. Well, don't think he's quite there. Yeah. And then yeah. the tests, seven, almost seven and a half thousand runs at forty-two, opening the batting and being an aggressive opening batsman. His strike rate at sixty, which is mm. when you're an opening batsman striking at sixty, you're going after the ball and has two test triple centuries to his name. Mm. There's quite a lot of uh, test cricketers that would love to have Chris Gale's test career. Yes, he would have. He would have made a lot of sides around the world. He wouldn't have made every side around the world, but um, maybe not in test. I think in one one day cricket, he was he was the Coley before Coley. I mean, Coley's seen as this otherworldly figure at one day international level where he, everyone feared what he could do. Mm. Uh, and, and that was Chris Gale for parts of his career. It was yeah. Chris Gale, you didn't get Chris Gale out early. They went a long way to winning the game for a West Indies side that wasn't really that good, mm. to be fair. Yeah, he and, pulled it out at one of those World Cups as well. It might have been the one in the Caribbean in 07 um, where he was just like the standout player for them. Or it might have been the one before that in 03 where Australia kind of dominated. But, yeah, so everyone forgets about that one because Australia just won and won and won and won. Yeah, and won well too. Yeah. They were untouchable in those in both those, the 07 and the 03 mm, World true. Cup. But, yeah, um, but yeah in, and in 
T20 internationals, like he he was there for Genesis. He started with the T20 internationals. I mean, there's some mm. other players like Coley didn't start right. in that format because yeah. he wasn't around in, as part of the international setup when T20 started as a format. Yeah, and, and, it, it occurs to me that at some point, um, players who were there at the start of at the inception of shall we say, um, of the 2020 game will retire and there'll be no more no more of those. Players. There'll be no more international cricketers that knew what it was like before T20. Before was T20, exactly. It's uh, got to be a generation change. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he, along with Bravo, went a long way to defining what T20 was as a format. I mean, when you look at his, his overall stats, he's played 120 T20 games he's got over 14,000 T20 runs, not mm. international. He's got – but he has – he's got 2,000 T20 international runs. But that's that's ridiculous, 14,000 mm. runs in a format that lasts 20 overs. Yeah. So he, he was a special, special, special cricketer. Mm. Uh, and, um, yeah, like I said, it's gone a long way to defining what this is. And, you know, arguably he's probably played a little too long. But, you know, there was a bit of a stoush with you know, Kurtley Ambrose saying that he wasn't a, um, an automatic selection for, uh, yeah. Yeah. for the side. For the but this is a man that has 22, 22 T20 hundreds. Mm. 22 T20 hundreds. Yeah, it's like not even a special thing for him when that he makes 120 overs. Outrageous. Outrageous. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yes, uh, I'm sure from the highlights that you, you have seen, he's a guy that is just, he's a man mountain, and he manages to hit balls that have no business going for six, and he just yeah. muscles them mm. well over the rope. A very, very special player and um, one of my favourites. He's just unapologetically his own man. Doesn't play into this PR, you know, media politeness. He's just like, this is who I am. Like he gave himself the nickname the universe boss. Yeah, well, I I think he he does play a bit of a character. I think he he puts it on. Um, A bit like a, you know, prize boxer or something. He appears boastful for the headline. Yeah, yeah. But but he does it, and he doesn't shy away from it. He doesn't. He's just. This is who I am. Yeah. This is what I've decided to portray myself, and this is how it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and Dwayne Bravo. Um, for those of you that have been following the whole time, this is going back quite a ways. I believe it was one of the first ones that you missed back when Scotty was around. Yeah. We did our. He's list. still around. He's around, but he's just not recording with us anymore. We didn't yeah. get rid of him that way. No. Um, we had an episode where we talked about um, our favourite, uh, I think it was our favourite Australian player and our favourite international player. It was a segment we did where right. we were going to talk about. Okay. And my my favourite international player I talked about, it was a bit out of left field, but it was Dwayne Bravo. Okay. And I really like what Dwayne Bravo has brought. Yeah, I, I remember you saying that. Uh. <laughs> um, and there are people who like to talk down his, his test record, but, um, you know, he averaged 31 with the bat and 313.50. He's not overly impressive, but he wasn't really ever mm. a, an out-and-out batsman. Um, his record with the ball was probably not as good as it should be considering what it is, but he was always a guy that played with passion. Yeah. And I think he was a guy that if he'd gotten more matches would have been a really key element in keeping that West Indian side as a – as a force moving forward. Yeah. And I just loved a tour where he came out. I believe it was his, it might have been his debut tour. If it wasn't his debut tour, it was not long after he debuted to Australia where he scored 100 against us and took a fifer in the same game. And I was yeah. just like, this kid has got stuff. And he was, yeah. and like, you know, this is a guy that bowls, even as a young person, he was bowling mid 130. So he's not express or anything, but no. he was, you know, arms spread wide, the big chain wasn't, you know, Overawed by playing guys like Ponting or anything like that at all. Yeah. You know, he'd knock a bowl, a batsman over, and he'd be up and woohooing and in their face. And just you could just see the way he carried himself. He was confident and passionate about the way that he played. And then obviously that's then carried on into the limited overs formats, where he certainly made his name as being one of the genuine match winners, mm. especially with the ball. Yeah. Um, so he's gone on and had a really fruitful career. Um, I think what did I say earlier? He's taken something like five hundred 
500 wickets for the T20s. Wow. As a just as a T20 bowler, five hundred and fifty-three wickets as a T20 bowler, average of twenty-four, uh, an economy of eight. Which, considering he would have bowled largely in the death as well, he would have been responsible for the mm. death overs. Is very impressive. Yeah, always always has had a good slow ball. Um, and then in the ODIs as well, you know, average twenty-nine. So took nearly two hundred ODI wickets, one hundred ninety-nine ODI wickets. Um, at five and a half and over. And, again, he would have been a guy that would have been largely responsible for bowling at the death. So, again, anything under six is is very impressive. Um, and then as an ODI batsman, he scored 200s. He had a strike rate of 80. He was a guy that came in usually the middle, lower order, trying to finish yeah. off innings. You accept the lower averages there as long as you've got high strike rates. Uh, so, yeah, just, just a phenomenal player. And these two guys really were the face of West Indies cricket through some pretty dark times, especially mm. all around the, you know, the inconsistencies with the board and them stepping away from the um, the, the test arena. Mm. Uh, and they came and bounced back and they won the, those two T20 World Cups. And they're the only side to have won two World Cups. Mm. And and these two players were, were largely the face of it. So the, the the greats of yesteryear for the West Indies largely, you know, they bought their tickets by being excellent test players. Mm. But the game has grown now to encompass, you know, in, encompass three formats. Yeah. And uh, and I think that these two have certainly, they've, they've, like I said, it's, it's standing room only tickets. They haven't got onto the main stage. But these <laughs> two guys... Have punched their ticket into this in the pantheon of West Indian that's a, greats. That's a tall stage as well. It's <laughs> being imposing, and uh, well, yeah. some of the very, very best to ever play cricket ever are in that room, and I, and I think yeah. that Gail and Bravo uh, deservedly have, get to rub shoulders with some of their fellow countrymen. There, yeah. phenomenal players, always exciting to watch, uh, always fun to watch. Mm. Uh, in a similar way, so to Gail Bravo was unashamedly his own man. You know, he's got a, he's a, I think he's a DJ. He's released his own music. Mm. Um, he, he doesn't even need to change his name. Yeah, he's got the perfect DJ. I think it's DJ Bravo. Yeah, that's his name. He, yeah, it's um, his yeah. name starts with a J. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Dwayne John Bravo is his. Well. So DJ I mean, Bravo, like he had to be. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you had to be. Yeah. That that was that career choice was decided when he was born. Yeah, and then he just decided to be a cricketer first. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be I'm going to be sad to see these guys go um, from the international scene. Uh, they've been such great stalwarts uh, mm. for the game, and we've always liked good West Indian players because mm. a good West Indian side means that world cricket is doing well, and and these guys through some pretty down periods for the West Indies, have done their best to mm. to carry that nation with pride and and really good cricket skills. Yeah. And, and I think Absolutely. they've done Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing else to add, really. Nothing else to add. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think that'll wrap us up nicely. Nice emotional moment just to see off these two West Indian greats. That'll get rid of our episode 94. Best mm. of luck to the Australians in their upcoming uh, semi-final game. And yep. best of luck to the Kiwis because I just don't think I could stand living in a world where England win back-to-back World Cups. <laughs> yeah. Or that they win two World Cups before we win one yeah. in the T20 format. Just, nah, I just... So, so just to be clear, you... Want England to win the least? Yes. You go Pakistan before England as well. Yes. So in order of what I want, I want uh, Australia, Australia, New Zealand, Zealand, Pakistan. Yeah. And the reason I want Pakistan last is because if I want Pakistan to win, it means that we've lost yeah. the semi-final. True. At least if New Zealand win it, it means we potentially were in that we final. The final. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just yeah, like they're they're a phenomenal unit. They're they're white ball cricket. And their dominance at white ball cricket over the last half decade or more cannot be understated. England are brilliant at this game, and they've just they've they've got it down to a formula, like we yeah. got it down to a formula for the one day is the, the the turn of the millennium. They're going to be hard to beat, and I think yeah. I think if it if the favourites play out the way they're going to play out, England will play Pakistan in the final. And I think England will get the job done. Like mm. if I was if I was betting my house on it, I would bet that England wins. Will win because that's the, that's where the smart money should be. They have been 
fantastic all tournament. They've been more battle tested than India, uh, sorry, than, than Pakistan, because Pakistan had some. I don't want to be disrespectful, but they've had some freebies in Scotland, Namibia, and to a lesser extent, Afghanistan. England have had really good competition the whole way through, mm. and largely they've swept it aside. They swept the West Indies aside. They swept us aside. Um, they were too good for Sri Lanka. The only thing they really didn't they didn't do was was beat South Africa. Sure. At that point, there wasn't really a lot in it for England. Yeah. They'd already locked up top of the pool, and you know sometimes when you know there's nothing really in it for you, you just subconsciously take your eye off the ball a little bit, and mm. you might not mean to, but you're not playing so hard because you know that there's there's no stakes to this game. Whereas South Africa come out and they had to win, they had to win well. So, you know, that whole sort of sports adage, they wanted it more. I don't think <laughs> all things being even, I think, is rubbish. I don't think that yeah. act- that's an accurate thing. You know, when they it's, it's we got two sides cliche, in a grand it? final, yeah. or they just wanted it more. And it's like, no, that's... They just played better. They just played better. But in this is one of those cases where, where someone said to me, I think South Africa wanted it more. I would pay into that a little bit because England had nothing to, nothing to gain, nothing to mm. lose. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I think I think England are vulnerable, but I think the smart money would be that they would win the tournament. Yeah. But that being said, I don't want it to happen. I can't yeah. live in a world where we've <laughs> <laughs> lost. All right. Um, but, but, yes, so best of luck to those sides. Best um, of luck. Like I said, if you guys are interested in following in and joining our big bash, yeah. Super Coach Lee, please follow our social media accounts. All informa- pertinent information to join up and play with us will be there. So we're available on Twitter. We're available on Facebook. Um, and uh, we're also on YouTube. We haven't used that in a while, but I think we'll probably dust off the old YouTube channel and get some more videos coming out, especially rolling yeah. into the summer where we've got plenty more cricketing action. So mm. stay tuned. Yeah. And uh, and that'll do us for for. 94 and stay tuned for for 95 where 95 ticking them off where we're hopefully celebrating a a, a strong world yeah. cup semi-final performance for the boys yeah. mm-hmm. i can't i don't know exactly when the final is i don't know if we'll squeeze that in before the next episode so it could be mm-hmm. a, a final preview we'll see how we go but until then bye for now bye guys over sports social podcast network with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.